Welcome back to Space Biff. This is, as always, your good friend and host, Dan Thoreau. And I am joined today by a independent designer. This is somebody who I've been playing two of his games, one of which I have already written about, and the other of uh, which, when this episode airs, maybe I will have written about it, and maybe it will still be forthcoming. But this is a talented designer. Please welcome Blaj Urban Gritzar. Uh, yeah. First of all, this was perfect uh, pronunciation. Oh, uh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much for, for having me uh, on your podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad you invited me. So you've, you've designed a couple of games, and I want to talk about them in depth. Um, but first, um, there's a good chance that our listeners won't know who you are. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Who are you? Where are you? What do you do? What is your career? What is your education? What is your vocation? Tell us a little bit about yourself, Blaž. So, hi, I'm Blaž. Uh, I'm from Slovenia. Uh, I'm uh, 30 years old. Um, my main job currently is making uh, music uh, for a theater plays. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, but uh, I also create in uh, other fields. Uh, I'm a very creative person, I think. So I also uh, I also write, uh, I also draw, make graphic design, uh, animate, and yeah, I also make uh, games. So basically, I'm I'm walking around and making stuff. If you're creating music for theater, I imagine that you play play instruments yourself. Um, I'm I'm good only on keyboards, so piano. Okay. Um, I, I have a little bit of knowledge uh, for, let's say, guitar or some string instruments. But mm -hmm. yeah, m most of uh, my music is made on computers. So it's really my main instrument is uh, the, uh, the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you, so you must know music theory. Yeah, I've studied a little bit uh, when I was in the elementary school. Uh, okay. But, oh, wow. Elementary school. Yeah. I'm not sure um, if this is uh, normal in the USA. I think it is. I mean, you have uh, like, uh, we call it the the elementary music school. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I studied piano there. Uh, this was for six years. But after that, after I went to high school and everything, uh, it was mostly just for my pleasure. Um, I rapped. I made um, beats for rappers and this kind of naturally involved into producing electronica music. Mm -hmm. And uh, from here on, I went on to, you know, play this music live and meet people. Um, and basically, I kind of got to uh, making uh, music for films because I was studying film editing uh -huh. and uh, I made music for films I edited. Through through uh, a classmate, I got to uh, making music uh, for theater, and here I am now with this as my main uh, occupation. That's excellent. We might have a little bit in common, so I don't know if too many people around here study music theory when they're very young, um, but I grew up, my mother is actually a music theory professor. Oh, Okay. So she had very strict requirements that all of her children had to learn two instruments and music theory. Ooh, which, uh, which instruments do you play? Uh, so we all learned piano and I also learned French horn. French. Wow. Okay. This is a very 
boomy sounding instrument. Uh, yeah, it, it's a very good sound. It's it's yeah. very round. It's very mellow. Um, I love French horn pieces, and I still play now and then. I played. Um, I haven't really played since coronavirus, unfortunately, but I was uh, I was able to take part in the Hallelujah Chorus um, with a community production. So it, we probably didn't sound very good. Um, but so I still play a little bit and I, in the past, I don't do this anymore, but I used to teach lessons. Um, so yeah, I love music. I, I write a little bit of music, but I am sure it is totally Bush league compared to you, your music. So let's not compare. Oh, I mean, <laughs> why, why should we, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of music do you make and, you probably weren't uh, on any of uh, in any uh, theater which had uh, music by me, so we we can't know at this point. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe we're just as good as one another. We yeah. we don't need to become rivals. <laughs> okay, deal. So it sounds like you have had uh, you lead a creative life. Uh, congratulations! A lot of people who are creative sometimes don't get those outlets. Yeah, I mean. It was a little bit of a struggle for me for quite some time. Um, sure. I, but yeah, I'm, I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely grateful. Uh, my life kind of opened up in the last year, to be honest. Uh, before really? that, okay. yeah, I was, of course, I was creative. I, I've been creative ever since I know about myself. But all of this work was more or less uh, for friends or for people who followed me, but nothing that could provide me uh, with money to be to be fair uh, and yeah. to to have someone to tell you look make this and I'll give you some some money was like a blessing and uh, yeah I as soon as I could I I left my job in the office and uh, focused on this that's awesome yeah that's wonderful I'm so glad to hear that so what I wanted to chat with you about today is I have been playing two of your games. Um, the first one I wrote about a little while ago, it's called All is Bomb. On the surface, it's an 18-card micro game, and we'll talk about it more in a moment. But I, I absolutely love this game. And the other one is a puzzle book called Lock, which I've been playing over the past couple of weeks and which I enjoy quite a bit as well. And they're very different games. But in a sense, I, I actually think they actually have a few similarities, Blage. And maybe you can tell me I'm crazy, for thinking that, but I, I sort of interpret them both as puzzle games, that they're about positioning, they're about eliminating negative space, they're about arranging possibilities and trying to make things occur in a proper order. So why don't we talk about them one at a time and then we'll talk about them together. Great. What is all is bomb? Can you tell us if you were on a long elevator ride with somebody and they wanted to know about all is bomb? How would you introduce this game? I would probably start with the premise because I think it's kind of unique. That's true. There is no game that has a premise like All Is Bomb. <laughs> um, we have a world uh, with a, basically a kingdom and the princess is sleeping. And you have to make her a breakfast before she'll wake up. But the tricky part is that you need to know which breakfast she'll want the moment she'll wake up. And at the same time, you try to uh, get the profits uh, together and to arrange everything for her 
but at the same time, everything uh, is exploding because everything is a bomb in this world. Everything is a bomb? Everything, everything, from the slightest, uh, smallest cell up to the whole world. Everything is a ticking bomb. Yeah. Um, and I express this uh, through cards having different states. So first they start as a bomb, which is not ignited. Then the card turns over and it is an ignited bomb and then it explodes. So it goes into the discard pile. But um, this is not a huge tragedy because in a kind of unexplained way, everything gets reshuffled back into the deck. Everything appears again. So these bombs kind of put themselves together. It's a funny place. It's a comedy it's it's not sad so um and this is basically the game uh you you try to manage these bombs so princess will wake up with her favorite breakfast she sounds a little bit um high maintenance yeah she she is she she appeared like that uh, uh in in my mind when i envisioned her but i mean the, to be honest i'm not really sure how the the first idea came into my mind but i think i played a lot of love letter at that time okay and somehow this princess uh, remained in my head so one of the things that i love about this game is uh it's it's very simple so for those who are listening the idea is that uh as blage said every card is a bomb every card and when you play a card and activate cards that means that other cards will be flipping over and then going back in your hand and if they're already flipped over they'll explode and go to the discard pile but it's a it's this game where you need to put cards in a very specific order which is difficult first of all because they're shuffled yeah but then also because all the cards are doing all of their crazy actions and sometimes the actions are urgent so they have to happen before other cards and then uh, like you might get a card that when you play it, it makes you go five cards down in your deck and play that card or flip over a card that you don't want to flip over yet or prematurely detonate a, a bomb that you don't want to blow up. And, oh, no, I made a mistake and I blew up the princess prematurely. So can I now have somebody come and mend her, put her back together so that then later she can wake up to the proper breakfast? And it, it's very madcap. Like you say, it's very comedic. So where where did this idea come from? Do you do you fantasize about everyone being a bomb? <laughs> no, no. Like I said, I'm not really sure how this connection with bombs happened. I mean, nothing else in my life is bomb-like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just an idea. An idea that I kind of was interested in that moment and I tried it out and uh, it's it kind of worked a little bit better than other prototypes. I mean, you have to know that, especially in that time, I was making uh, Lineon, uh, this puzzle book, and my my head was filled with very mathematical, you know, systems, uh, how to put these puzzles together. So when all is bombed, I think I was even a little bit sick and in bed, and I was thinking about, yeah, let's make a little card game. Uh, and... It, it just kind of came together. And I, I don't, honestly, I don't really love the theme. I don't really love the premise. But at oh, the same really? time, yeah, I mean, it could be a lot, a lot more, you know, commercial in some ways. Uh, but 
I was true to myself in that moment. And this is why even, you know, after a few months of developing, I never questioned it. I never went, why bombs or why princess? But it, it just ca- kind of came together. So did you set out with the intention of making a micro game or was that just something that came up because of, I don't know, a design contest? What was the inception of that? I think I played a few micro games by Buttonshy. Oh, uh, yeah. In, in, uh, at that time. And I was just interested in expressing myself uh, through 18 cards. So yeah, I knew I was, way, I was making a, a micro game. I've played a number of micro games. And a lot of the time, I feel like they're a little too micro, which is maybe me wanting the wrong thing. But what, but what I love about All is Bomb is I don't feel like it's micro. Is when I, when I play it, I feel like I'm making big decisions, normal sized decisions instead of micro decisions. Does that sound at all familiar or, or am I just crazy? No, no, I think first of all thank you i mean whenever you say that you love something about the game i i feel good <laughs> so uh, <laughs> well that's uh, good uh yeah but uh i think the the way that the deck kind of is in circular motion all the way uh, all the time so you don't go through it once or twice or three times like in some games and then the end you constantly go through it and every decision that you make i think carries some weight so when you go through it let's say five times you feel like you already made a lot uh, a lot of uh, a big journey yeah so maybe maybe this is why also cards are double-sided maybe i mean it's not 18 cards it's 36 in, in a way yeah maybe this is also one aspect i'm not sure really but i i, I agree with you it does have does have kind of an arc that you don't expect from a micro game. And I like that it has that distinguished arc. Uh, it's very distinct where, so those who are listening, like you, like you pointed out, so there are three possible meals for the princess, right? Is it, uh, she could eat pancakes, a croissant. What's the other one? Eggs. Eggs. That's right. And eat, yep. there are three prophets who are foretelling what she will want when she wakes up. So your goal is to have a prophet declare what she wants, get her into the proper state, get the meal into the proper state, and then play that meal at the exact moment that she is activated. And even though there's, you know, you will always go through prophet, meal, princess, there's a lot of flexibility in the meantime, because there are three meals, even though you may have played one prophet, another prophet might appear and mess up your plans, or the meal that has been prophesied might be sent to the discard pile, and thus has to be saved somehow. So there's not one solution. There are many solutions to this puzzle, which I think adds a lot of uh, depth to it. Yeah, yeah. This, this, these win conditions, uh, th- there are three of them, um, were made because I, I'm not a big fan of uh, point salad. Yeah. And maybe one of the biggest influences on Ollie's Bomb, at least at that time, was uh, Sprolopolis. Oh, sure, just yeah. because it, just because of you know having uh, eighteen cards and I played it a lot, but I really didn't like that. Um, okay, I finished it. Now let's sit down and count 
all the points. I wanted something to kind of evolve through it. So you maybe see the wing coming in a way. Yeah. And, and it felt correct to me. This isn't only a micro game, though. Is it cheating a little bit to have... How many expansions does it have? Like five? Uh, at this point, at least officially, it has six expansions, plus the helper deck, so the hands, which are two cards that you add to the deck when you want to make the game a little bit easier, because... Polis Bomb is designed so that most cards uh, are sometimes good for you and sometimes bad. Even some cards that, you know, look like they are outright catastrophic for you, they sometimes work. They sometimes make uh, things a little bit easier for you. But hands, so the helper pack, these two cards that are called hands, they really can't screw you up. Uh, I mean, they, they can't mess up your plans. They, they're really good and really, really valuable. Um, so yeah, sorry, um, six, six expansions and the helper pack. So I'm going through them now, and they each transform the way the game plays. So you've got mosquitoes. They have to be discarded first, right? Yeah. And you have, oh, what are, what are all of these? A dream guide. I don't like the dream guide because the dream guide always messes me up. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, the dream guide is a very specific uh, expansion. You have to really strategize uh, how you play through the game. Like I said before, uh, let, let's, take, uh, let's take a look at uh, Rascal, card Rascal. Rascal basically makes you ignite two or, or four cards in the deck, which brings them closer to discarding them. Uh, but because you have to play the Dream Guide uh, while playing with this expansion, and the Dream Guide uh, swaps your deck with the discard pile, you need Rascals because they will fill up uh, your discard pile quicker. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to play it in reverse, backwards. Uh, discard good cards and the bad ones in the deck. I, I like the tension that uh, it has because it, it is basically a two-part story. Yeah. First, you, you prepare for the big uh, action because it, it really is a big action. And when it's, once it happens, you usually have to finish it really quickly because no matter how much you try, you will probably have your deck full of ignited urgent cards. So the dream guide, for those who maybe don't know what we're talking about, switches your deck and the discard pile. Now you're working with all the cards that have already exploded, but the cards that have not exploded, turns out they already exploded. <laughs> yeah. um, then you have gifts where you need to give gifts, but they might be strange gifts like a monkey or a smelly gift juice you can have the entire world explode and then uh this last expansion which one is this waking called? up the yeah, waking yeah. up which which changes the game pretty dramatically as well if you had to name your three favorite cards out of all the cards what would they be Ooh, okay give me a second i need to think so first of all the cards that probably saved my games the most is librarian librarian is overpowered <laughs> i mean it, it's a it's a really really good card so the librarian lets you change the order 
of the top three cards of your deck. Yeah, or the bottom five. Yeah, yeah or the bottom five. Okay, so that's when the librarian is ignited. The mm -hmm. librarian works a little harder. Yeah, yeah, and from uh, from below. Um, but uh, because usually at that point in the game you have, let's say, seven or eight cards in the deck, it's really reordering most of the deck at that point. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay, Librarian is an easy pick because it's just so valuable. I, I kind of like uh, the Gardener quite a lot just because... He, he, you really have to think when you're using him, but you can use him really well. You can do wonders with him if you use him correctly. So which one is that? Now, the gardener. Oh, here, here's the gardener. I found it. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, okay. Take any card from the deck and put it on the top of the deck or put any number of equipped cards to the top of the deck and equip as many cards from the bottom of the deck. Okay, that's very versatile, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, the third one should... Yeah, the third one is the monkey gift. Um, <laughs> it's just... When I started designing uh, Ollie's Bomb, I, I had a lot of prototypes uh, of other games made already, but um, Ollie's Bomb was one of the first when where I was really, okay, I will make a solo game. Even though it supports two players, but in my opinion, it's more of a solo game than not. And the monkey gifts is basically me saying, okay, because there is only one player, I can go really, really far into extremes. I I don't have to, you know, oh, is it balanced? No, I mean, if <laughs> you have to go around the monkey gift and you, if you get it, you're probably screwed. So <laughs> I, I really like the... Um, the wackiness of it, really, really, yeah, yeah, it is very wacky in a pleasant way. Now, it is possible, and um, Blaj, I think I've started the campaign five times and I've never finished it. Um, <laughs> what what was your goal with the campaign? Okay, so um, campaign was one of the last things that uh, were added um, during the development. And at that point, I already had all the expansions and I started thinking about how I could use this system, which I really like, you know, this very simple system of play a card, draw and equip, you know, this whole turn order uh, and use it in a more story driven game. So with new cards, uh, which would kind of go from one episode to another episode. So another pack of cards kind of like another expansion. And uh, the way I envisioned it worked a little bit like the campaign does in Alice Bomb. Because I liked, at least at that time, this idea. I simply tried it out and put it in. And uh, at this point, I'm not a big fan of the campaign mode. But, uh, and I, I absolutely uh, understand why you couldn't get through it. But it does explore some ideas that I think could be interesting, interesting in some uh, other form. So now that the game is finished and people are playing it, um, have you considered tinkering with this format uh, further or making the campaign, making it around the campaign? Uh, are you? Is this something you're going to return to or is that chapter of your life closed? Mm, I will probably return to it. I mean... 
I, I think so, because like I said, I really like this system. And one idea was this episodic, almost ro- roguelike system. Sure. Uh, but another idea that I have is just to have a really big deck. So like 50 cards. And you play it like a detective story. So you first need to find evidence, like the a clue or something. And this would all kind of uh, work like profits or breakfasts. So you, you have to set yourself up more and more, more tightly until you are really set into stone. Like, okay, this is the murderer or criminal. This is the murder weapon. Uh, she pointed out this evidence, whatever. And you finally have to catch this uh, perpetrator. Um, this was an idea that was a little bit more noir. I imagined it like, you know, really a detective story. Mm-hmm. And I might I might do this. I mean, I think it is doable in a larger format, is what I want to say. Yeah. Uh, because um, I, I sometimes play all this bomb uh, with all the expansions mixed in. And this is basically, I don't know how many, around 40 cards. Mm-hmm. all together and it's hard but i enjoy its length and many many little parts that you need to take care of and i think that if i would design an all is bomb like game which would be longer but you know a little bit simpler a little bit easier i think it would be an interesting game to play how how is this manufactured can people buy this Oh, okay. So, yeah, this is uh, offered through the Game Crafter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is, I think, a uh, United States-based uh, factory of print-on-demand games. So, it, it works great for me because I just uploaded the files. And if someone wants to buy it, I think it's for $13.99. If someone wants to buy it, they simply buy it and the factory will make it for them so it's not like they have it in their warehouse yeah so it's a print on demand yeah yeah and i I really love the system but uh i've been fantasizing about uh maybe making a new version of all this bomb with new art and everything because to be honest this art (laughs) that is on cards was basically the first thing that i drew uh, uh drawn uh, I just, you know, scanned it, uh, colored it and put it on cards and uploaded it and used it for the competition because I was in a contest uh, on Board Game Geek with uh, all this bump. So, yeah, uh, I would make I would make a new version and uh, print it myself and uh, have it myself and uh, send it around myself just because, you know, it's easier to to promote the game, to reach an audience if you have games uh, at hand. Yeah. If they are, you know, printed every time somebody clicks and it it prints out in like a month or two, it's not uh, as, I think, practical. You know, I I find the art very charming. I actually, that's one of the things I love about it is um, I take the art very literally. That to me, this is is what the bomb world looks like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not against it. Um, I think it was good enough to put uh, on the game crafter, but 
if I would go uh, through the whole process again, or if I would make a new version, I think I would go for a little bit uh, more detailed and darker vision. I don't know why. I just feel like there is a little bit of darkness missing from the game because it basically is about bombs. <laughs> so on the box, it says that the game lasts 12 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we live, in a, we live in a time, a fallen time, a benighted time, when board game boxes often lie about their playtime. You know, they'll say 60 minutes. Oh, that's a two-hour game. So how did you arrive at 12 minutes? Uh, okay, so uh, at this time, I would like to mention uh, another person. I wanted to mention him before when we were talking about expansions. So uh, when I first uh, made Ollie's Bomb, uh, I put it on my Facebook page with, I think, three followers at that time. And uh, I just said, I made this. Are any playtesters interested? And uh, a Polish guy answered and said, yeah, I'm interested. I want to play test this. And this was Igor Zuber. And Igor Zuber was in, uh, instrumental uh, in the development. Uh, just because it was just me playing this game. And then it was Igor. And he made uh, some very good comments that are part of the game. For an example, um, in the first uh, version, when you discarded the princess, the game ended. It was game over. Oh, yeah. And he said, why? And I so agree. I mean, this this was such a good <laughs> feedback because the more I worked on all this bomb, the more I saw it as a system of problem solving. And if a problem ar uh, arose like, okay, the princess was discarded, how do I save this situation? Uh, this was great, uh, and uh, another um, and an expansion was also made uh, a bit with his idea, which is the gifts idea. He he had an idea about this uh, discarding uh, court uh, cards, which the gifts do. He was very uh, meticulous about his playtesting, and he wrote down how much time he spent on playing it. So I had a very good idea that uh, 12 minutes was really the correct amount. Uh, and also, I play the game in 10 minutes and first players play it in, okay, let's say 15 to 20 minutes. So 12 sounded okay in this regard as well. In a way, we were throwing down the gauntlet for other publishers that they need to find somebody to play the game a hundred times and time themselves so that we can have <laughs> accurate playing estimates. Yeah, this would be great. I mean, I never uh, really paid much attention to, to the written uh, time on the boxes. So, But yeah, I agree. It's, it's a bit uh, deceiving. So now that all is bomb is out in the world, how how do you feel the reception has been? Oh, extremely nice. Um, I I made a good decision to uh, uh, to participate in the contest uh, on the on board gay geek uh, forums, and this was a great place to you know get new players to to get some excitement going, and I think from there on it was in you know. A modest rotation for some people. Uh, I saw, I mean, we are talking about really small numbers, but I'm proud of them. 
Uh, and uh, at some point, I know I talked, uh, I, I wrote you about the game when it was only in the uh, print and play version. But um, at one point, I went, why don't I offer it uh, through the Game Crafter? I mean, I was basically very late with this idea because I could do it right after the contest. Uh, and I sent you the uh, the game and you wrote about it. And from uh, your review uh, on, I, I see a drippage. <laughs> I don't know how to say. I mean, people people are buying it. It's like a guy or two per week. And I think this is great. I mean, the world is such a big place and everybody makes games. And for ha to have one or two people every week be interested enough to buy it, I think this is great. That is great. Yeah. So I'm playing this other game that you've designed and I haven't finished it. Um, and I want to talk about it without spoiling it too much. Um, okay. So I, I think what we'll do is talk about it up through the first two words because they're not really spoilers. Once you get to the third word, uh, talking about it would be a spoiler, I think. Um, yeah. But so this game is called Lock. L-O-K. And it's a very different game. And what it is, it's a little spiral bound book. And I open it up and there are these little uh, puzzles that look sort of like crossword puzzles. But there are a bunch of letters in there and it's just nonsense. Laj, I don't know if you knew, but none of these are words. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so... I think at this point it would be good to talk about how I came up with Locke because I think it kind of shows w why it's nonsense. Yeah, so why don't you start by telling us what it is? Uh, okay, so Locke is a puzzle book which has word search puzzles, but you aren't searching for any meaningful uh, words. You're searching for lock words. So this is a set of words that has a meaning or an effect only inside the lock world. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of a unique mixture of logic puzzles and word search puzzles. And the goal of each puzzle is to black out all cells. And like when you are solving a word search puzzle, when you find, let's say, an apple, you cross apple out, right? Yeah. And in lock... When you see a word that is part of the lock language, and lock is also a word that uh, that is part of this language, when you see, let's say, lock, you can cross it out. But in the lock world, when you cross out lock, uh, you, you have to perform an action afterwards. Uh, so in uh, lock's example, you need to cross out another cell. So if you have, let's say, L-O-K-X, you can cross out L-O-K and then you can cross out X because this is the effect of lock. So uh, the book contains many more keywords like lock and also new mechanics that aren't keyword based, but basically you are uh, uh, trying to black out all cells in the grid. And another part of the whole puzzle book is that... Uh, you kind of have to figure out the rules yourself. Some are explained, but a lot of the words aren't explained. So this is another layer of puzzling uh, on top of it. Um, and because you know that you have to black out all cells in a grid to solve a puzzle, you can uh, encounter a new keyword and 
just you know knowing okay i have to black everything out what is this keyword what does it do you you kind of come to some conclusions yourself and um i i was very precise uh in trying to make it so you always come to the right conclusion so basically this is lock in, in a nutshell the puzzles can be pretty fiendish so you can only spell a word and correct me if I'm wrong. This is my understanding. I'm I'm in, I'm on chapter five. So let's give two of the words. The first one is lock, right? L O K. Yeah. So that's you black you black it out and then you black out one more space. Yeah. The second one is tlack, T L A K, and that lets you black out two spaces, but they must be adjacent. Yep. And where that gets tricky is now picture lock and tlack and blank spaces. And sometimes mixed up. So you'll have T-L-O-O-A-K. And you want to black out those O's so that then you can make the T-L-A-K. Because if something's blacked out, now you can make adjacent words by skipping over the black spaces. And you have a good mind for creating puzzles. Um, So when I'm going through this, you have a lot of what I call snake's hands, where they're there to distract me. you know, where I go, oh, well, clearly I need to black this out so I can spell this word. But then it turns out that if I spell tlack, there are no two adjacent spaces to black out, so I lose. <laughs> and this, these are called red herrings uh, in the puzzle world. Um, yeah, red herrings. Yeah, uh, but okay, some, some puzzles are a little bit evil, but I always tried to be fair that if you if if you take time and you go okay you you first go through this first action of okay i'll do the most obvious thing and then it doesn't work and what i'm trying to do at this point is to force you to think outside of the box so why doesn't this work and how do i make it work and every puzzle which tricks you a little a little bit it also teaches you in a way um, and the next time you encounter a similar problem, you will know how to approach it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I didn't want to be evil for the evil's sake. <laughs> you're, you're being evil for education. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for myself, it's, it's a system that has a lot of possibilities in it. And I really wanted to explore it all. And I couldn't do it if I would be gentle. One thing I love about the way you've produced it is it comes, at least the book I that you sent me, it comes with this little clear sheet mm-hmm. so that you can do it via dry erase marker. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I play it because I, I want to maybe, uh, you know, finish it and then in a few years revisit it. And so I, I don't want it to be all solved. And, and by the way, um, solving this with a pen would be impossible because these really are puzzles that you need to sit down and try to solve by failing to solve them two or three times. Yeah, and w- when I was making Glock, I started communicating with people that also make paper puzzles. And I learned that a lot of things that I do with Glock is frowned upon in the paper puzzle community. And one of these things is not having a strictly 100% logical pathway, solving path. You need to try out some stuff before you can be sure, okay, this doesn't work. And, you know, paper puzzles, not video game puzzles, but paper puzzles like Sudoku or, uh, I mean, there is 
a huge number of different genres. Um, these puzzles are made so that you can solve them uh, solely through logic. So whenever you input something into a paper puzzle, it's there to stay. You never erase it because you are 100% sure it's correct. And another thing that uh, comes from this is that each puzzle has a unique solution, which lock again doesn't have. I mean, uh, puzzles in lock sometimes have multiple solutions. Uh, so it is a little bit of a, an ugly duckling in the paper puzzle world, but I think it does other things better in this regard because sometimes having a purely logical solving path is a bit dry and doesn't appeal to as many people, including myself, at, at least in some you know, aspects, uh, as having more of a, you know organic mess to clear. But I think that's okay, Blaj, because you know what the ugly duckling turns into. <laughs> um, yeah, it just becomes an ugly duck. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean... Or a swan. Is that is that what it really becomes in the fairy tale? In the fable, it does, yeah. But I think, I mean, in the end, the log being a little bit messy, a little bit ugly, also gives it, uh, gives it, uh, gives it its charm. So... Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm 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 actually very 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 proud of it, and I'm loving it. To to be clear, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, now you were going to tell us where it came from. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I was uh, still making my previous puzzle book, uh, Lineon, I uh, wrote uh, a puzzle maker called Stephen Lavelle, and uh, he makes uh, video uh, video games, video puzzle games. And uh, uh, among them, Steven's Sausage Roll. Oh, yeah. You, you, you heard about it. Yeah, I've played it. Oh, nice. Okay, this is probably one of my favorite games of all time. I mean, it's really, really well designed, in my opinion. And I, I wrote him that I love his work. And after a few emails, I also sent him Linon. And he responded uh, with feedback. And also, he sent me his own paper puzzles. Uh, I think it is. It was a one one-off set. He uh, otherwise doesn't do paper puzzles, but this set was basically a set of word search puzzles using a Tokipona language. Um, Tokipona is a constructed language, a modern language, uh, which has only I think 128 words, and it's very popular uh, on the internet. And this is this could be a little bit of trivia for you. Um, the person who made it uh, is a wife of Eric Lang. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I got this set of word search puzzles uh, using a language that I really don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'm not fluent in Tokipona. And it was really strange solving this because, okay, Stephen provided me with a list uh, of words that I need to search. But it was basically <laughs> searching for locks and locks, so for nonsensical words. And at the same time, I was all the time hoping or expecting for a classic Stephen Lavelle uh, trick. For, for example, that the puzzle couldn't be solved uh, unless I found a way that went across the border to the other side to be mirrored or something. So, you know, I was... I was kind of expecting such a trick 
It didn't happen. It's a very, you know, clean, standard set of word search puzzles, but it got me thinking basically how it uh, it would be to make a word search puzzle using a made-up language with Stephen Lavelle tricks. And this was the start. That's fascinating. Let me ask you a question. Is there a difference between a game and a puzzle? Well, if you ask Board Game Geek, the biggest uh, board game platform on the internet, there is. Uh, you can't uh, register a puzzle game on Board Game Geek. So you need a little bit of randomness, at least some randomness in your game for for it to be, you know, uh, uh, so you can put it on Board Game Geek. If you have a straight puzzle game like Lock, where you have puzzles that need a solution and these puzzles never get randomized, uh, then it's not a game. But in my opinion, this is, you know, <laughs> I think that games are something that we do to, I mean, this is another subject, but yeah, a board game uh, geek says that puzzle games aren't games. That's fascinating to me because I enter the same headspace when I'm playing All is Bomb and when I play Lock. Granted, they're very different games, but when I when I play them, my head is very much in a space of arranging things into their proper order and eliminating things that shouldn't be there. I feel like my brain operates in a in basically the same way. Both require problem solving, and yeah, both are puzzles in a way. But this one big di distinction, you know, that you have to shuffle the deck of cards in Ali's Bomb. And that you have a puzzle that once you solve it, unless you forget the solution, you will, you will solve it in a second, the second time. Uh, I think this is the distinction between them. But they are both puzzles, in my opinion. So would you like to see a, a site like Board Game Geek uh, allow puzzles that can be solved? Or would that flood it with a, a million Sudoku books? I'm not sure it would be flooded, but I kind of get why Board Game Geek is like it is. I mean, they, I, I think at least they, that they don't also allow uh, RPG games. And I think it's okay to have a platform that is, you know, strictly for board games, so games with at least some random element. Mm -hmm. I don't see any reason why, why there couldn't be any, you know, platform for all games, including puzzle games. I'm, I, I am currently on a Discord channel, which I can promote right now because I know that they, they want to get uh, as much rec recognition as possible. I mean, it's not just a Discord channel. Uh, they have a site which is called thinkygames.com. Okay. They encompass everything, puzzle games, board games, everything that makes you think a little bit. So if I would have to say what kind of games are lock and all is bomb, they are thinky games. So you've mentioned a few times uh, this this bigger puzzle book that you're working on. Uh, Lineon, is that what it's called? Uh, Lineon, yeah, Lineon. Um, so to be honest, I'm not working on Lineon at this moment. This is, uh, Lineon is in arrested development. Uh, I love its system, but Lineon came at a point in my life when I was searching for how to express myself in the puzzle medium. Mm -hmm. 
And it was the first thing that I made that really resonated with me. Just because I, I always wanted to translate uh, video games that I like into a board game environment, which mm -hmm. is very hard because you, you don't have... I, I really like platform games, for an example. I don't know uh, if you know Celeste. Yeah, I've played Celeste, yeah. Celeste is great. And when I started uh, making Klinon, I played Celeste a lot. Uh, and Celeste is in, in a big way about skill and also about the freedom of movement. And what I first encountered uh, with Linon, with you know, th this first inspiration was, oh, I can go from any point to any point. I'm not bound by borders or uh, you know, how many spaces I can move. I can go from this dot to that dot over there with no problem, even though you know, it's a big distance. And um, yeah, so I, I really like this whole aspect of it. But it was also the first puzzle game that I worked on, and I burned out on it. Mm. And I really want to return to it, and I think it has uh, a lot of potential. But I think that currently I'm more than comfortable with it being available as a work in progress on my uh, page. In this version, I think it, it is 0.7 at this point. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if I will return to it in a short while, but hopefully I'll return to it eventually. You've mentioned Steven Sausage Roll. Were there any other puzzle games, whether digital or pen and paper, that inspired your work? Probably The Witness uh, by Jonathan Blow. Yeah. The Witness operates uh, in a similar way, I think, to Locke, because you are presented with a set of puzzles and you have to figure out how they work, what is their rule. Right. And... How they are sequenced is, I think, similar to how I sequenced the teaching puzzles in the puzzle book. So I think The Witness and, I mean, there, there are tons of games. I have Steam opened in front of me if you want to, uh, to have a list. But <laughs> I think these two, I think maybe The Witness even more than Steven Sausage Roll. You know, when I, when I was playing it, um, when I reached the third chapter, and I won't say what happens, but the third chapter you say okay, we're introducing a new word and you need to learn what it is for yourself. Yeah. And that was very much like the witness to me where the witness eases you in with a few very simple line puzzles where the rules are obvious or assumed. And then you start moving into areas where suddenly you have to make deeper connections to figure out what the rules are. I found the witness fascinating and also at times very frustrating, <laughs> maybe because I, I reached the point where I, uh, I got past, I got behind the stage, so to speak, mm -hmm. and saw some of its secrets. And I'm a completionist, so I wanted to see all of the secrets, but I also knew I wasn't smart enough to ever see very many of them. One of my favorite puzzle games, maybe you've played this. Have you played the Talos Principle? No, I downloaded it, but my Mac couldn't stomach it. Ah, uh, uh, too bad, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't play it because of technical issues. But I, I heard it's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, it, it is phenomenal. It, and it, it does some of the same things where it, it asks you to break out of the puzzles now and then, mm -hmm. which I always, I always love that. Uh, another one recently, I played Baba is You, oh, which also asks some of that. Have you played Baba is You? Yeah, yeah. I have. I have. Uh, Baba is You is a great game, 
but it's also so hard that I, I'm not even dreaming of finishing it anytime soon. I open it up every month or so and try out a couple of puzzles, but I, I think I got to a point uh, where it, it's just too too difficult for me. I I, I sometimes I, I can't wrap my head around it. I love its concept. I love how it's presented, but sometimes a solution just feels so alien alien to me, even when I you know got, go through it. That I think I'm not made for this game. Well, that's that's some of the fun of puzzle games, isn't it? That that even if a puzzle game looks like uh, similar to another, it can it can itch a very different part of your brain. Yeah. Uh, so if I can brag, I have actually finished Baba Is You. Ooh. <laughs> wow, bravo! Which is not something I can say about many puzzle games. Uh, I usually uh, I usually run into a, a a solid wall after too long. Uh, have you finished the uh, Steven Sausage Roll? I have not. I have not finished mm-hmm. that one. I have finished Talos Principle. Okay. Um, that might the Talos Principle and Baba Is You might be the only two major puzzle games I've played recently that I've finished. Okay. Uh, I I don't know if you played this game, but I'd like to recommend you uh, Patrick's Parabox. Have you heard about it? Patrick's is that on Steam? Yeah, it is. I also have my Steam up, so I'll, I'll take a look. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Parabox. Para Parabox, yeah. Yeah, Parabox. I oh, I have seen this one, and I have not played it. It looks terrifying. Uh, okay, so don't worry, it's not terrifying. Uh, it's actually, um, I, I think it's one of the games that opened up a new chapter for puzzle games because puzzle games until now I think were very, you know, obscure, difficult. Yeah. Uh, while Patrick's Parabox is designed in a way that you can finish it even, you know, with little puzzle knowledge, but at the same time, it offers you a lot of challenges with uh, additional puzzles, which are not mandatory. Okay. Uh, but but it has a beautiful arc. I think I got through the main puzzles in two days. Oh, okay. And that and then just kind and we're talking about a hundred puzzles. It, it just you know sucks you in, and the mechanics are really really good. It's I think one of the best puzzle games that were made in the last few years. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll add that to my uh, wish list. Well, Blaj, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I think you've designed uh, at least two wonderful game slash puzzles. All is bomb and lock. I hope our listeners check those out. Um, now, if, if anybody is listening and they want to check out your work, why don't you tell us where people can find you? Okay, so I recently made the web page, which has, I think, most of the things that I made during my life. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, B-L-A-Z-G-R-A-C-A-R.com. So my name, Blas Grazar, Blas Grazar, uh, .com. And... I think uh, you, you, you can find a lot of interesting things on this webpage. Excellent. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure to link that. So thank you again, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thank you, Dan. 